It's Monday, December the 7th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by Raytheon Technologies. Coming up, Venezuela's predetermined election and Giuliani's COVID-19 hospitalisation. First, the world in brief. Venezuelans voted in parliamentary elections. Nicolas Maduro, the country's authoritarian president, has taken steps to ensure he gets a majority in the legislature. He will thus cement his control of state institutions. Many opposition parties have boycotted the vote. America, the EU and the Organization of American States all say the election fails to comply with acceptable democratic standards. Indonesia's social affairs minister, Juliari Batubara, turned himself into the police. He has been named as a suspect in a bribery case related to food aid intended to help those affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Anti-corruption agents had seized the equivalent of over $1 million stuffed into suitcases, backpacks and envelopes in a raid on Saturday. Rudy Giuliani, President Donald Trump's personal lawyer, was hospitalised with COVID-19. At Mr Trump's behest, the 76-year-old has been frantically and fruitlessly trying to overturn America's presidential elections in the courts. Mr Giuliani tweeted that he was feeling good. By one estimate, he is the 42nd high-level member of the president's team to have been infected with the coronavirus. Alex Azar, the head of America's Health and Human Services Department, said every American who wants a COVID-19 vaccine should be able to get one by the second quarter of 2021. The country's regulators are yet to approve a vaccine, but one developed by Pfizer and BioNTech could be given the green light later this week. Thousands gathered in the square outside Moldova's parliament for the second time in four days, demanding that the government resign and that snap parliamentary elections be held. The protest was called by Maya Sandu, the pre-EU president-elect, after parliament passed a bill transferring control of the country's intelligence service from the president to legislators. Chinese exports grew by 21% in November compared with the same month last year, the biggest increase since February 2018. It is the sixth consecutive month that the country's exports have grown, propelling its trade surplus to a whopping $75.4 billion. China's factories have been working flat out to supply locked-down Westerners. And Hassan Rouhani, Iran's president, told the oil ministry to prepare for a return to full-scale operations within three months, according to the IRNA, a state media outlet. America's president-elect Joe Biden has said that he would lift crippling sanctions on Iranian oil if the country returned to strict compliance with a deal designed to slow its nuclear ambitions. And now, here's today's agenda. Reopening Redux New York's schools Some of New York City's public schools reopened today, again, After a rise in the COVID-19 infection rate last month, Bill de Blasio, the mayor, closed classrooms. Parents were upset that restaurants and gyms remained open, while America's biggest public school system, which had few cases, stayed shut. Last week, Mr de Blasio zigzagged. Now, 190,000 preschool, elementary and special needs pupils will begin a staggered return to spending five days a week in the classroom. Pupils must consent to random weekly COVID-19 testing. Middle and high schoolers will continue online learning, as will those pupils who have opted for remote tuition. Individual schools may close if infection rates spike in the surrounding neighbourhoods. That seems likely. The city's infection rate now tops 5% and continues to grow. The school gates may soon swing shut again. Island isolation Bangladesh's refugee crisis 
Three years after more than 700,000 Rohingyas fled to Bangladesh to escape the genocide in Myanmar, their presence looked permanent. Bangladesh has now begun to relocate refugees from camps near Cox's Bazar, collectively the world's largest refugee settlement, to Barsan Char, a barren island in the Bay of Bengal. The country has spent $350 million on making the fortified sandbank suitable for housing 100,000 people. Some 1,600 have arrived since last week. The government insists they are going voluntarily. Human rights organisations are sceptical. Although moving the refugees complicates the government's relations with donors, Sheikh Hasina, the Prime Minister, thinks she must be seen to be doing something. But with repatriation off the table, she is still left with the unpopular prospect of the refugees slowly integrating into Bangladesh's society. Shipping a fraction of them off to Barsan Char while fencing in the camps in Cox's Bazaar will slow the process, but not stop it. Last Roll of the Dice Brexit talks. Trade deal negotiations between Britain and the European Union were never going to be easy. And with less than four weeks until the end of December deadline for exiting the standstill transition period, the two sides remain at loggerheads. There are now hopeful noises that an agreement is in reach to allow EU fishermen access to British waters. However, Britain claims that, under pressure from France, the EU is making unacceptable demands on competition rules. Britain wants the benefits of unfettered access to its single market without accepting concomitant obligations, retorts the EU. Raising tensions further, Boris Johnson's government plans this week to reinstate into planned legislation unilateral changes to the Northern Ireland provisions of the Withdrawal Treaty it signed earlier this year. The EU says such a legal action makes any trade deal impossible. Only a few days remain to find agreement ahead of an EU summit later this week. Otherwise, Brexit with no trade deal looms. Eastern Bloc The EU Budget Today is the deadline for agreeing the EU's 1.1 trillion euro, 1.3 trillion dollar budget for 2021 to 2027, as well as a special 750 billion euro COVID-19 recovery fund. Poland and Hungary are vetoing the measures, angry about a provision making disbursement of the money conditional on respect for the rule of law. Matthias Morawiecki, Poland's Prime Minister, says the mechanism could be used very arbitrarily and for political reasons. There is nothing arbitrary about the identity of the holdouts. Both countries' populist governments have taken flack from the European Commission over the erosion of judicial independence. Unless they back down, the EU will resort to an emergency funding arrangement for 2021. The long-term budget could still be salvaged at an EU summit later this week. That would prevent the financing of new projects. It would also hurt Poland and Hungary both large net beneficiaries of EU funds. Mr Morawiecki and Viktor Orban, his Hungarian counterpart, must choose between populist politics and economic common sense. Same old opponents. Ghana's elections. Ghanaians vote in presidential and parliamentary elections today. President Nana Akufo-Addo faces former President John Mahama for the third time. Mr Mahama took victory in 2012 and Mr Akufo Addo in 2016. Many analysts expect Mr Akufo Addo to win a second term, though his centre-right party could lose its majority in Parliament. He claims greater competence on the economy and points to promises he has kept, such as free education for older pupils. His opponent accuses him of failing to tackle graft, especially after Martin Amidu, the independent special prosecutor for corruption, resigned last month over political interference. No matter who wins, fiscal trouble looms. 
the country was heavily in debt even before COVID-19. The IMF projects a budget deficit of 16.4% of GDP this year, the highest in sub-Saharan Africa. Yet promises to cut spending have been in short supply on the campaign trail. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Cicero, who was assassinated on this day in 43 BC. There is nothing so absurd that it has not been said by some philosopher. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.